Welcome to Do Not Listen to This Podcast. You can get information on the show at do not listen to this podcast.com. Don't forget with your donations, 50% of the donations you give go to feeding stray cats and dogs. And the other 50% goes to funding the podcast. Uh, I have a great guest today. Uh, I've known him for a long time and we're going to talk about sales. So uh, let's just jump in and why don't you introduce yourself to the uh, listeners? Well, I'm Buck McWilliams and I work with Roger um, uh, many lifetimes ago uh, on the air in West Palm when they brought him in due to his expertise on producing a very highly successful morning show in Philadelphia. Yay, Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia and, uh, great job this week, by the way. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the thing is that, you know, uh, I had been on the air doing the morning show. I never had a producer ever. And right. so I was uh, at that point where I thought, well, I know everything. <laughs> and uh, what, is, what is this guy going to teach me? But That's there's right. things that he, he taught me like almost right away that not only did I implement and did it turn out to be a huge success, uh, but there's certain things that um, that you uh, recommended I do that I've kind of carried on to the sales uh, part of my career. Oh, which that's great. Started, yeah, which started about um, well, 94. So um, when that's I got really, fired for the last time. <laughs> that's really good. You know, just so people understand. So I was a radio consultant for many years and Buck and he had a partner. They did a, a morning show and I got hired by their uh, program director to consult them. And this is, you know, this is not, this is pre-internet, pre-everything. And pretty much we did it remote because I was in Los Angeles. We, we were remote workers way before the pandemic. Um, right. And what we would do is every week we would get on a conference call and we would sort through issues that they were having with the show. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of like a mini therapy session. And then, and, then, uh, right. and then we would give some specific, you know, suggestions as to what to do. And then they would take it. And if it worked, we continued doing it. If it didn't work, we made an adjustment to find out what it was. Um, that was a, a long time ago. But um, Buck, Buck successfully made the transition from being talent to sales many years ago. And he's probably one of my favorite salespeople. So I wanted him to jump on. I wanted to have a chat about the challenges that salespeople ha have been facing uh, since the pandemic hit and what he thinks some of the trends are going to be for the next year and get that little conversation going. So let's talk about what was the biggest impact the pandemic had on sales in general for you? Well, two, uh, it was twofold. First of all, physical, because a lot yeah. of the clients that we were calling on shut down. Right. Uh, some have not opened. Others have opened uh, to tepid um, success or are just barely hanging on. The other thing uh, was mental. Um, you know, we tended to forget. And, and I'm so glad that you set it up the way you did, because it'll lead me into um, some of the discussions about, um, uh, you know, the working remote, because that's what we're still doing. I'm, I'm in my um, dining room, which I have been in since March 15th. And there's uh, upsides and downsides. But uh, the mental uh, thing on the side of the salespeople was uh, something that I don't think any of us uh, saw because we had no idea that we would be around um, in our living rooms or wherever for this long. And now it looks like we'll be uh, in the same place until at least the end of January and maybe longer. So that's almost a full year. And, you know, it's, it's really I, I do want to talk about this because I have done remote working for uh, over 10 years now. So it didn't hit me as much, you know, and I've done work from home since the 80s. Right. So that didn't hit me as much. But what I cracked up about when all of this hit 
was all these people saying, oh, I'm going to work from home as if that's something that just magically happens. <laughs> right. You know, it took me 10 years of working from home to get effective, let alone productive. And so what was the biggest, what was the biggest upside of the change to happen to work from home for you? And what was the biggest downside? Let's talk about those. Well, um, the, the downside was that um, I've often relied on what I believe was my winning personality uh-huh. and that I could uh, easily demonstrate that in front of people uh, sitting across from them or next to them having a conversation. And, and there's some truth to that because I, I will say this, Buck is, uh, is one of those kind of guys that it, it's very hard, and, and this is what makes a great salesperson on many levels, it's, it's very hard not to like Buck. You would have to do... Unlike me, there's ways to not like me. I can make that happen pretty fast. Buck is a very likable. The problem is I can make, I can be unlikable and still close the deal. That's the problem with me. So, um, but Buck is a very, very likable guy. And so, uh, yeah, so you probably were, you were probably thinking that's a big variable. I I was. And so that was um, the losing. That was the downside. Um, The, I, I guess the, the upside was having to adjust long term to not doing that and still make sales. And I will say that to this very day, it's still it's still a challenge. I mean, it, right. it, it's probably the hardest thing to do. Because the thing is, is that and this is when when I'm training people on this kind of stuff, what I always try to explain to them is there's something inside of them that is their comfort zone. Right. right. And there's too many people that try to get you out of your comfort zone. They think that that's the way to it, and the truth is, is that you need to get just slightly out of your comfort zone to expand your comfort zone. If you get too far out of your comfort zone, it just takes too much work to get back to the center. Well, the, uh, that's a great point because uh, we were all in a comfort zone. Sure. Uh, you know, we all had our daily routines and then we were thrown into a comfort zone that was um, akin to being tossed into Lake Erie in the middle of January. Yeah, uh, and, which is uh, not fun, by the way, in case anybody's wondering. That is not yeah. the time to jump into Lake Erie. It is no, not no. on fire at that time ever. Right, <laughs> right. And, and you know, the other thing, too, is that then you had to realize, okay, so once you get comfortable, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Because, Correct, that's right. Uh, yeah, uh, because if you slide into a comfort uh, feeling, then you're also going to slide into things like, oh, they'll work out for themselves. This person will renew. That person will reopen and they'll be calling me to get back right. on air. And that's right. not how it works. What did you what that, uh, what we've been on top of from the beginning is that what this really is from a from a sales marketing standpoint is a demand shock. And I talk a lot about that in the show is that the demand just is either gone or hyper. Right. So no real middle ground in this thing. Right. You either either you lost all your business and had to figure out if it was going to regenerate or you got so much business that you were over capacity and you had to figure out how to service. There was very little middle of the road thing. Um, What did you what clients, what types of clients did you see that just where it all just fell apart? And what types of clients did you see where it was like this is you know, this is actually a good thing for them business-wise. Well, I'll, uh, I'll keep in um, uh, concert with uh, answering your second question first. Sure, sure. That's <laughs> the, fine. Yeah, the, one, um, the, the ones that, uh, that we quickly discovered uh, were doing very well were um, uh, home improvement. 
because right. people were sitting like me in their homes every day, sure. looking outside going, hey, you know what, uh, I need some new landscaping or looking around their um, workspace and going, you know what, uh, it's about time we got this place painted or, you know, the um, right. basement, uh, you know, resurfacing or whatever. And so we found that people who um, were doing home improvement were doing extremely good business. Sure. Um, you know, all aspects of that. And, uh, and then the car dealers, which of course, you know, is the number one category in all media. Right. Um, they refused to shut down uh, good for them. And uh, I remember the first time back in uh, the end of July, when we were selling the, getting ready to sell the Cleveland Browns uh, radio network, which we carry. Um, and they had announced that the NFL was going to have a season, no question about it. So I went to a car dealer, obviously. And, uh, sure. They had a full staff there and they had people coming in and uh, most of them were masked up. Uh, the guy that we met with wasn't, but we were. Right. Um, and so, you know, I realized, okay, uh, once again, these guys, the auto automotive uh, uh, dealers are the ones that are really um, in the end going to um, carry the, you know, sustain a sustainable um, economy and probably bring it out. You know, when, when it happened back in the early two thousands, sure. um, one of the reasons that the uh, economy bounced back was the, um, what was the catchphrase? Uh, trash for your uh, plunkers. Uh, cash right, for clunkers. Right. Again, the automotive business. And, and sure. you know, who was the first one we bailed out besides the banks? Uh, the automotive uh, right. people. So, you know, it was well, and plus, once you realize that you're working from home and you've met your family members, right. you may want a better car uh, right. as a hideaway. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, um, we, know, that we, Malibu... No, go ahead. Not what they really want. The, the Malibu isn't what they want. They want that one where you, where the kids can sit three rows back toward yeah. the very back. No, yeah, you're homeschooling in the car at this point and driving around the block on a little field right. trip and in, in the and trying to make fun and have exactly. have a good time. What were the ones that just collapsed? Well, restaurants had a really yeah. tough time, and they're and still having a tough time. Let, let's talk about restaurants, like because look, restaurants had to uh, make a shift to delivery, right? right if they right. made a shift to delivery, they probably did okay. Um, if, they Some, didn't, yeah, yeah. If, if they didn't, if they didn't, then they were closed and still weren't doing delivery. Right. So they were, you know, compounding the problem there. Which restaurants did you see um, make it through and which ones did you see just they, they, uh, they died? Their, their I, business died. Oddly enough... Oddly enough, some of the first ones to close and tell people they're closed for good were the high-end steakhouses. That totally makes sense. Uh, I, I, it, it does. But, but you know, you'd think that, okay, their patrons have plenty in reserve, and they've done very well the last four years, so that you would think that they'd be open. Right, but I can't go have that experience. And, and steak delivery is really iffy that's a good point that's it's a good point i mean i my, my first food job was cooking steaks yeah and uh yeah i wouldn't i would never yeah. i have never i've ordered a lot of food by delivery never a steak never a steak never yeah. the uh the, the ones that um that's that did good and hardly at all uh close were pizza yeah pizza pizza, pizza was you know because because that's because they're used to delivering right you know there's a lot of pizza places that don't have uh, a chair in them so, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's that, that's already set up. Um, did your fast food chains in uh, the Cleveland area did they adapt quick, or did they, or, or were they slow? They adapted quick, um, and and sadly, things have kind of um, 
turned the left other way. For not a good, yeah, not a good, not a good way. Um, because Why? now we're setting, we're setting daily records. Well, well, because um, for the, the whole reason that we did good at the beginning, we had a gotcha. governor who decided, okay, look, we're going to make everybody wear masks. We're going to, um, you know, from a leadership point of view, we're going to show up and do daily. Um, right. You know, Ohio TV did a really, Ohio did a really good job in the beginning. Yeah, they, they did. And so what happened was in the summer, like it seems, you know, almost everywhere uh, in the summer, um, people said, okay, we did a really good job. It's on its way out. And right. then, you know, they kind of got lax and, um, right. that plus, um, there was some, you know, there was some discord among the, um, government within sure. the state of Ohio. Sure. And, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people said, well, th this governor did a good job, but now he's not doing a good job. And, uh, so we'll just go ahead and go maskless. And the result is the last four days we've set records that we never thought we would set as far as right. new cases. Yeah, the whole, the, it's very interesting to me. I mean, you know, look, um, the first thing I did when this happened was I got on the phone with some of my friends who happen to be doctors and epidemiologists and virologists, you know, all that stuff, right? And I, the first question I asked them, and this was in February, because we were aware of it right out of the box, um, was I have one question for you, and uh, the, and it's only one question, and it was, you know, what's the shortest time that a vaccine, a viable vaccine, has ever been made? And they were surprised by the question, but they they came back with four years, and so we started to work four years as the duration, right? We were like, okay, well, this could be, this could go on for four years, and then we started to look at the 1918 to 1920 pandemic thing to see what those things were, and masks were an issue back then, they're an issue now, it's yeah. naturally a division, um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's sad stuff. So back to the restaurants, which ones surprised you? Which ones did you think, oh, well, these, these guys might not make it, but they, they actually came out the other side okay? Well, just, just to put a final stamp on, on your question about which ones didn't do well. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. The, the specialty ones. Oh. Um, yeah, for a lot of them didn't didn't do well. How, that makes however, sense. yeah, however, um, now that I'm thinking about your question, I know that uh, I saw a lot of them. Um, uh, Chinese uh, seemed to do pretty good, but good. I saw a lot of them did well when they were in areas where there was multiple restaurants, multiple choices. Right. And I seem to think that there might have been some um, some sort of. Um, harmony between uh, those the, the proprietors of those restaurants where sure. they think that they seem to get together and go look um let's try and help each other out so we can right. all stay in business because you know rising tide lifts all boats that's right that and also the um you know the fast food um, uh, places did pretty well because sure. they had deep pockets you know right. wendy's right. taco bell i don't sure. think uh, other than the two weeks they, they didn't close at all right. and you know every time we go up to the drive-thru which is where most of the transactions sure. happen is that uh, they're all wearing masks. So, so right. you know, I felt, uh, felt comfortable going felt safe. Now, yeah. So um, what, um, what, what was the biggest um, thing that was, that you didn't expect to have happen from the working from home stuff? Well, I didn't, honestly, sure. um, I didn't expect to gain 15 pounds. <laughs> Just 15? You only gained 15? That's pretty good. The problem is I don't have clothes that, uh, you know. Oh, that's right. And then you got to yeah. go on eBay for, for yeah. use, use right. fat clothes, which is not fun. 
but right behind me is the refrigerator. And so um, were it not for this fact that I got kind of a spacious dining area, I, I should probably move this to the basement so that I'm not so That's close funny. to the fridge. Let's but, talk, uh, you know, let's, self-control there. Let's talk a little bit about what of the sales process changed for you. Yeah. Well, the, um, that's an easy one to answer because um, a ton of it happened like what's happening right now. Um, and uh, more people uh, were, uh, you know, accessible and um, agreeable to have Zoom conference calls like mm-hmm. this. Right. And, uh, and some of those worked out really good because, you know, um, a lot of what we sell now is not just radio, but um, you know, digital products. And digital sure. products have, um, uh, sometimes, they, a lot of times, they need explaining as to uh, how they work and, and why they work like they do and who they reach. And so, um, writing it down on an email doesn't seem to work as well as actually explaining to somebody face to face, hey, this is what happens when you well, I think that's, to- I, I, yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, I think one of the yeah. benefits that you get with uh, any kind of video conferencing is it shortens the sales cycle because right. people, right. A, people don't want to be on the Zoom call too long. Right. And so they get right to it. Yep. And that's a great point. Great point. And so it's like, Hey, look, are we Is this going to happen or not? And plus you get the body language, which is really, really important. Cause it's a great point. You know, you don't get either of that in an email. Very true. That said, um, we also found that email was maybe more important now than before. Makes sense. uh, Because, because of the, um, the distancing that, you know, we all, all feel, you know, the other thing too, is that, um, I found that, um, uh, making a, an actual face-to-face appointment, which I, I don't do much of, and not, right. none of us do, but we still do some. Right. Uh, the, the face-to-face appointment was more um, as a, uh, would you like to invite me to come over? Because if you're uncomfortable with that, fine, I will respect that, and I, and right. I agree with you. But if you'd like, uh, that's one of the things that we can do. We can do a sales call on a Zoom. We can do right. it on the that's phone. That's great. I could send you an email, or I could come and visit you. It's, it's all up to you. And What's so, great of- What's great about that, what people don't understand is that the sooner you get the buyer to feel like they're driving the sales process, the faster you get the sale, right? So when you you give them something like that and they feel a sense of control and they feel like they're, because nobody likes to be sold and, and, you know, and also also nobody likes to be ripped off and, you know, it's, it's all that, especially when it comes to buying and selling and advertising, it's, it's difficult for some people. That's a, that's a, that is a great, that's a great point, Roger, as a great point, because the more that you get the client to accept something or even to um, lead the conversation in a way that, oh yeah, you can come and, and visit me or no, I would prefer to do email. That's fine. So, yeah. So you've already agreed to something and, and it made it sound like it was your idea. That's the perfect way to start any sales call. Yeah. And also too, the other thing that video, another way to close deals long-term that people miss is by explaining to people who shouldn't buy at this point in time, you know, by, by saying, Hey, look, you know what? Th- I don't want to see you waste your money right? because right. this is not going to give you the return that you think you want, you know, you want. Right. So when you do that, and that's also easier to do on zoom, you know, much easier, much easier. And you, and you know, the, the nice thing about the landscape now, and this goes back to my point about selling different products uh, other than just, um, you know, on air, you know, radio schedules. Right is that there always seems to be a, uh, a solution that they haven't thought of. And to your point 
I had a conversation just a couple of days ago where I said, look, I don't think that doing a, an on-air radio schedule is going to be the best way for you to get a, to get right. a you're, you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be upset. Right. Um, but I do have something that I that I think that would be worth you know your consideration. And here's the best thing. It's a lot less than you would be paying. For. That's right. That, that, that's that's the other good thing, too. That's very good. Well, what what would be your final parting message to salespeople out there of, you know, what 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 advice would you give them going into 2021, which is going to be the same cycle as 2020? Yeah, I, I but, think. But without right. but without people being able to go, oh, it's new. <laughs> so it's a great point. What you know, advice would you give them? The, the thing with salespeople, um, especially ones with a little bit of um, uh, experience, is that um, they know they already have something built in from um, days and days of rejections, you know, right. no's and, and, and the phones hanging up on them to keep plugging away. Right. And, there's that, and, and to me, that's the secret sauce of right. um, still keeping your hope up, still doing your job, still knowing that uh, everybody who hangs up on you or says no leads you closer to somebody that you will uh, get a relationship with that you will um, sell them something that you think will help them. And then that's the other thing is make sure that what you have is um, something that you believe is going to help them. Because if you're just, uh, you know, putting the face in and saying, yeah, you know, here's what I have. I'm sure you'll want it. Um, they can see right through it right now. Right. And uh, at this point in time, every budgeting dollar for marketing is sure. precious, like oil. So that's right. One thing, one final question I'll ask you, what are your um, predictions for 2021 when it comes to Cleveland sports? Well, uh, I think that the Browns are going to continue to get better. Uh, they already have shown that. Uh -huh. um, I fear for the uh, Indians baseball team because um, it's a small market to begin with. And unless fans can come out and uh, buy tickets and, and, you know, um, reform that revenue stream, it's going to be very difficult. We're going to get rid of our best player due to finances. Francisco Lindor is going to be traded. And so, um, but we've got a lot of uh, good pitching, so that'll be good. But the Cleveland basketball team without LeBron uh, is going to take a long time to get better. So for 2021, uh, it's going to look like the old Cleveland town again. So it's going to be dark days ahead. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, thanks for coming we'll, on the we'll show. Power, we'll power through it like we always did. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Roger. It was great. Really appreciate it.